Hello and welcome to the Mastermind Body and Spirit Show. I'm your host, Matt Belair. As you know, we are facing extreme censorship alongside many other truth seekers out there. If you want to support the show, please go over to mattbelair.com and sign up for the email list. Join the Academy for exclusive and censorship-free content. Become a patron and most importantly, consider doing three kind acts wherever you are in the world today. Today's guest is a professional certified coach who specializes in executive leadership and career coaching. She is the author of the new book, The Golden Rule, The Professional Perfectionist's Guide to Greater Emotional Intelligence, a More Fulfilling Career, and a Better Life. Welcome to the show, Emily Golden. Hello, Matt. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to have you here. Um, I'm excited to talk about your work and your book. I, I really love the intention when whenever I get uh, a PR company reach out, they kind of do the the points, like the talking points. And mm -hmm. I just love the um, intention of your book. I think it's something that's very needed in the world right now, especially at higher levels of, you know, executive or, you know, people are looking to be career people, but, you know, adding a little bit of a greater you know, some people call it vocation, but like meaning and fulfillment to it because it always is of service to other people. So anyway, um, I'd love for you to just introduce yourself to the audience and let them know a little bit about the book and uh, how you got to where you are today. Sure. So I am Emily Golden. I'm actually a master certified coach and that is just in. So um, I was promoted from a professional certified coach to a master certified coach, which um, is notable because only 4% of certified coaches in the world actually hold this distinction. And I share that because I am so proud of this accomplishment. I hold the profession of professional coaching in such high esteem. And I believe that um, like any other industry, um, it is, it's so important that we um, that it, that it be, that there be some parameters around it. So, um, so yes, master certified coach. I, I specialize in, um, executive leadership and career coaching. Um, and that might be a little bit of a mouthful, but essentially I work with professionals. Um, and the reason I work with professionals is because I myself, uh, spent 17 years climbing the corporate ladder in human resources, in, large organizations, and by every measure, I was successful. But the secret was that I was really unhappy inside. I wouldn't say I was miserable inside because I had a wonderful family and I had all the things that on the outside that I, that I really desired. Um, but professionally, something was missing. And every time I got a promotion, which I thought, this is going to be it. Now I'm making more money or I have the bigger title or like this is going to finally fulfill me. Um, I would actually feel more empty. And um, I had I had a few things that happened along the way that were kind of these little aha moments. I always say the universe first started throwing me pebbles and then rocks and then bigger rocks and eventually boulders until I, I just I couldn't ignore it. Um, so in, in 2010, my daughter, who at the time was five, was out of the blue, really not out of the blue, but it seemed like it, um, but in hindsight, it wasn't, but she was diagnosed with a neurological condition called Tourette syndrome. And I knew nothing about Tourette syndrome. 
I also knew nothing about there being anything wrong with my child. Like she, everything seemed totally normal. Um, and I was really career driven and ambitious. And I had two children at the time. And this diagnosis gutted me. Um, not because I, I think I was, I was so fearful of what the future would hold, but it was that moment of like, I'm going to be miserable at work. And then I'm going to come home and be faced with this challenge that I don't know anything about. Like I've got to now learn all of this, you know, this whole world. And there were so many unknowns and I was thrust into the land of uncertainty, which turns out we live in the land of uncertainty, but I had kind of perfected controlling life, <laughs> um, which I now know. Um, so, so that started me on this journey. Um, fast forward, my son was diagnosed with the same condition three years later. Um, and at that point it was like, obvious that I needed to, to do something different. I was at that point, pretty soul crushed and miserable inside, um, ironically performing even better than I ever had at work. Um, it kind of used my negative, um, some of my negative energy. I like put it in, into work. Um, in 2015, in January of 2015, I woke up and said, I cannot do this anymore. Um, I absolutely must I must find, I must find a, a way um, to be more satisfied professionally. Um, and I had done everything I possibly could to set my children up for success. And, and I'm, I'm so grateful and privileged to be able to get them the resources that they are, they are thriving now. But I wanted to show them and to really show myself that it was possible to love the work I did. Um, and it, it was in 2015 that I started to explore what was next for me through coaching. Well, turns out I fell in love with coaching. Um, and the rest is history. I did not plan on leaving my very nice, uh, my very well-paying um, corporate job where I was director of talent acquisition at a $3 billion chemical company, um, taking names and numbers. I did not plan on leaving that to start my own thing at the as fast as I did. But once I started building my own business, I realized that I actually am an entrepreneur, that I'm a incredibly creative person who has opinions and um, thoughts about this world of self, getting to know self. Um, and and it, it, within a year of starting to study coaching and building a business on the side, I officially hung my shingle. Um, and I'm making it sound easy. It wasn't. I had a husband I had to get on board. Um, we had big bills to pay. Um, I had a lot of, you know, I'm a coach. So I worked inside of like, I have to set up this project and I have to meet certain milestones, but it has been the most fulfilling journey. And where I am today is that I have found that it is the relationship that I have with myself that informs the relationship I have with everything else in, in my life. And the lights went on when I discovered that. And I realized I can build that relationship with myself. I can actually do that work. And that's something I have control over. I can give that to myself. And once I started to kind of, to fill myself up and to stop looking at the, to the outside for validation and reassurance, um, I was just, I became so much more satisfied. My mindset 
was so much healthier. Um, and, and, and my life just started to shift as a result. Um, and I wanted to bring this forth to not just the people that I get to coach in my practice and in the companies that I work with, but to anyone who's interested in reading about the new golden rule, which I can absolutely tell you about. Wow. Well, that sounds like an amazing story. You know, I'm a, I'm a father and you always want the best for your children. And so, especially if you're thrown into a situation where you just don't know anything about it, you know, it's, it's just so frightening and so challenging. So, um, and then I can just imagine you live in the corporate life and then you get in the corporate paycheck. So you got the, probably the corporate symbols in the driveway that still need to be paid off. So it's just like, well, you bought this now, now if you're going to make it work where there's a big transition. Um, so yeah, there's a lot that I'd love for you to talk about. Like, um, you know, you, how you, ref, um, define the golden rule and you talk about, um, connecting with the golden self. So I'm curious, you know, a lot of people on the podcast have talked about their higher self or their intuition or their inner knowing. And, um, I feel like everything that you're talking about, getting very clear on who you are, your relationship with yourself and what you do as a vocation are all very imperative. And so I love your take on all those yeah. things. So to play on the golden, cause I am Emily golden and I wrote the book, the new golden rule. I had golden handcuffs. Um, and right. Like the, the, the cha-ching, cha-ching, cha-ching. And, and I, that was a very hard thing to, to, walk away from. And it was scary. And I was defining myself by the income I was generating. There is absolutely no question about that. The new golden rule um, turns conventional wisdom on its head. So the old golden rule says to treat others the way you want to be treated. And it occurred to me that that is a, as I was um, in process with, I, I have this book baby idea like this idea of the old golden rule was like, it's so other focused. It's like all about what you get back from other people. And it is a breeding ground for disappointment. It, it's a setup for feeling disappointed and becoming righteous and disempowered. It's essentially handing off your power. And so I thought, well, everything I do in my work is about supporting individuals to get to know themselves and to, to first take care of themselves because it's only once we can take care of ourselves that we're really able to support powerfully the people in our world, whether it's the team we work with at work or our families, right, or our friends. Um, so the new golden rule says to treat yourself the way you want others to treat you. So you often will hear um, people talk about this inner critic, you know, it's like this negative critical voice in your mind. And one of the antidotes is, well, how would a, how would a, a friend talk to you? What's the, what would a friend say to you about that, um, that missed deadline or that thing that you're scared about or concerned about or worried about? Um, and so that's what I mean by like treating yourself the way that you want others to treat you, a friend to treat you, to talk to yourself kindly. I am going to assert not knowing your listeners that every single one of them has an inner critic that, um, is, that is, is, is narrating how they could have done things differently or how they could have um, improved. And this voice, so I actually call this a survival self or a survival 
<clears throat> excuse me, instinct, survival mechanism, this part of self, this critic is not all bad. It's just that we have learned in our culture to turn the volume up so high that we only often listen to this critical, protective voice. The golden self is, as you assumed, is highest and best you. It's the essence of who you truly are. It's the you that you've always been. It's what shows up when you show up. It's what's missing when you leave the room. And it's the thing that my clients are show up in a coaching partnership with me and they are often disconnected from. It's like the, it's so simple and it's so obvious to me. And yet to them, it's like, you know, they're kind of blind to it. So the first thing we do in, in our process is get clear on who they are gold, you know, at their, their golden self. And I walk you through the process in my book. That sounds amazing. I love that. And I, I totally agree. It's funny because, uh, I remember one of Wayne Dyer's talks back in the day and, uh, he said he's playing tennis with one of his friends and his friends like missed the shot or something. And he goes, Oh, you idiot. And Wayne goes, Hey, you don't talk to my friend like that. And I always thought that that was hilarious and we are pretty ruthless in, in our minds. And so, um, I always love to ask the how you, and I like in your book, like in, in what they gave me the talking points is really cool because it's all processes and um, I have a background in peak performance and, and all these different things. So it has to work. You know what I mean? I'll try it and I'll do it, but there needs to be a process or something I can apply. And you have a few in there. So I'm wondering if, um, you know, the three-step process for total life improvement, that's amazing. I'm sold on that. Um, and <laughs> the four most important components of emotional intelligence. I think that's so important too, because, what I think has happened when we talk about golden hand handcuffs or our work that you're not passionate about, it's um, mind first and there's no heart in there. And I think that if we can put the heart and the spirit and the soul first and then let the mind figure it out, um, it's a much more pleasant journey. You know, uh, the people that I've been speaking with lately and coaching, it's the same idea where um, they're like, okay, I'm going to do this thing that's certain. But even that's not certain. Even if you get the most certain job, you know, historically, maybe insurance and different things, like they're pretty secure, but it's still not the most, nothing is certain, right? But if you flip it and you go heart first, um, think about vocation and like that emotional side, that inspiring side of you, and then use all your wisdom, all your tools, all your mindsets, all you think to, everything you can do to create it, I find it's usually a more fulfilling experience. And I'd love for you to speak on any of that. Woo. There's so much there. Um, so first off, I will say, as I was thinking about reinventing myself, I did think about becoming a therapist. Um, I am very open about this in my book. In fact, my book is one third my journey kind of weaved throughout, one third client vignettes and one third my coaching process. Um, but I talk about that I... Um, I was on the couch at nine. I had learning disabilities and my mom was a very forward thinker back in the day. And she was like, I think her self-esteem is being impacted. Let's get her into therapy. So I am extremely practiced. You know, by the time I graduated college, I knew myself in a way that most of my friends did not know themselves, right? I was practiced in self-awareness. And so when I thought maybe I'll go back and get my PhD and become a therapist, um, 
I was really struggling because though I had wonderful experiences in therapy, for me as a corporate person and very process oriented, it felt like, what do I do from here? It was like, I am actually healed. I, yes, I, I, I have anxiety that I, that I deal with and, but, uh, but I'm in a healed state. Like, is there, is there like action or something that I could be taking? And that's where coaching was like the, aha, like the moment the lights went on because coaching takes the, you know, a very, a skilled coach takes the ability to generate awareness and the ability to create action that is heart centered. And that's the thing that generates transformation. Now you need to have both, right? So it's like the, having the skill is super, super important for the coach. Um, but those are the, that's kind of the thing that drew me to coaching. So absolutely. Um, to the, the first part of what you said, I definitely use a process. I love process. Um, and I'm also super flexible about process because I have one client who moved through the process very quickly. And I have another client that's moving through much more slowly and there is no right and wrong. I am not here to judge. Um, it is their process, right? So, um, so I, am also, I want to, I want to be clear that I'm, that I'm flexible with that as far as the three-step process. So the first step of the three-step process is to identify golden self from survival self to really get clear on who you are highest and best. And then what is that automatic survival mechanism that um, is part of the reason you're probably successful and also part of what gets in your way. So once we can, I, once we identify that, then from there, we can have, we can create um, a safe space to have the client step into, and in my book, again, I outline this, to step into that golden self to then get clear on the vision. Where is it that you're going? And I also want to be clear about the vision because visions change. It's not so much about the exact form of the vision. It's the essence of where, what you want your life to look like to get clear on that, to get clear on the values, what's most important to you. And what is it that you, that like, if you were to run life through, you know, the things that are important to you through a filter, like for me, my, my top two values are generosity and intuition. Everything in my life needs to be run through the filter of does this, is this, is this generous? Is this generous of heart? Is this generous of spirit? And what does my intuition say? And so, um, and so the, the, that second part again is the vision and the values. And then the third part of the process is, this is where we apply, we, we actually put the roadmap together. So how to create this, this, this life, this um, career of satisfaction. Um, and what are the milestones in order to get there? What are some of the things that we're going to be taking on along the way or that you are going to be taking on along the way? And I weave emotional intelligence into, into the book. I personally believe that emotional intelligence is, is the most critical component of, um, of the coaching process in my, in my opinion. And it's because, um, 
IQ, intellectual quotient, is fixed. And there's stats out there that say anywhere from 18 to 25. But it, as an adult, your IQ is fixed, right? You can learn skills, abilities, and you can gain knowledge, but you can't move your IQ. EQ, emotional quotient, emotional intelligence, is absolutely movable, pliable, and knowable. And what we know, especially in the professional world, is that what sets people apart in success isn't actually IQ at a certain in a, in certain spaces. So in like the companies that I play in and the, the people that I that I that I work with, there's a generally a, an IQ above average, right? But it's the EQ that is the difference maker. And so if I can support my client to measurably move that, and I use a particular assessment called the EQI 2.0, um, it's like, I mean, it's just, it's mind blowing what, what the transformation that's, that we're able to witness. That sounds amazing. I love all that. And when you're talking about kind of the vision, the, the way that I describe it to people and my perception anyway, is like, you can, you can create life by default. You're not really thinking about what you're doing. You might be doing what's secure and um, you're just not being cognizant. But once you're like, oh, I'm going to start designing this thing. It's not an end goal because you always evolve. If you write your book or you become a, an entrepreneur, once you get to one stage, there's going to be another stage and you're going to have new skills. So you'll be able to see further. So I feel like it's more of like coordinates. And most people don't know if they're going north, east, south or west. So once you start lining those all up with your values and what's most important to you and how you want to contribute and all these things that fulfill you, um, the journey is much more rewarding. So I, I definitely agree. And I, and I love that. And I think that the vision unfolds. The question I'd love to ask you is um, if you can define the survival self a little bit, is that, is that my perception of like the, just the default you or like how you're trying to be like, I, like I imagine a squirrel and he's just collecting nuts over and over. You know what I mean? He's just got so much, you know, collecting nuts as much yeah. as he can. And then the thing I want to throw oh. in there as well, that I think is uh, that I'm curious about immediately is uh, how do we how do we build our emotional intelligence? Give us the best tools for building that emotional intelligence because I think it's something that is so rarely talked about, and when people people do talk about it, is in very vague terms. You know what I mean? I never get like, you know, with fitness, if I want strong legs, I can do squats. I understand that squats are effective. So if we're talking about emotional intelligence, I'm curious some things that we could do, or the listeners can anyway, um, to um, boost it. Sure. <clears throat> Excuse me. So um, the first question was around the survival self. So you are absolutely correct. It is that automatic default autopilot. My, um, my survival self is a perfectionist. She's a people pleaser. Now, she's never going away. She has gotten me jobs and will continue to um, support me in certain ways. She's not bad. She's not wrong. She, if I'm taking my guidance from her though, I'm, my potential is capped. Yeah. Like I will only reach a certain potential. If I were living from perfectionism and people pleasing and oh, my other flavors control and manage. I love to control and manage the crap out of things. Um, I'm a control enthusiast, as we say. And so if I were to live my life from that place, there would be no book. I would never have gone out on my own, right? Um, I probably wouldn't be doing this podcast, right? So it's not 
we all have a survival self. The question is, what does your flavor look like? And for some people, it's like, it's like angry and righteous and we have fun with it. When I work with clients and I talk about this in the book, we name it, we kind of, we have fun with it, but it's knowing what your, who your survival self is and then who you are, golden self, highest and best, and then applying the choice. Where do I want to come from in this moment? Clearly I have chosen with the important areas of my life, I'm coming from my golden self. That is reliably and consistently where I choose to come from as a parent, as a partner, as a daughter, as a sister, as a, as a professional, right? That is where I choose to come from as a coach. And my survival self is there. She's there for along for the ride. And I don't make her bad or wrong. I just make sure she has room to play so that she doesn't, you know, throw me off track. But I love what you said and I like to think of it in terms of the comfort zone. This book, the, the New Golden Rule, wasn't even outside my comfort zone when I first started my work. Meaning I had a comfort zone and then I saw certain things outside my comfort zone. Like I could peek out of my comfort zone and say, being an entrepreneur is outside my comfort zone. Generating multi six figures on my own outside my comfort zone. Relating to myself as a boss. Mm, somewhat outside my comfort zone. But as my comfort zone has increased and those things have fallen inside, all of a sudden I'm like peeking out now and a book. Oh, look at that. You know, now it's like, oh, okay, I'm building a firm. Now I have a firm of coaches that I'm working with. It's like, it's purely magical. But I don't, and I don't need to know exactly how I just need to know the essence of what I'm creating and I need to trust and give it up to the divine, right? Like whatever it is you believe in. I always say to my clients, I don't care what you believe in. Believe. You must believe. This is about you, others, and something, some other spirit because um, there's, just, this is my own opinion, right? There's just, there's something that is, um, there's like a weight that when we can share it with the divine or whoever, um, it makes life so much more bearable. It's truly what got me through the early days with my daughter. Yeah, I absolutely agree with that. Um, you know, I think technically this podcast registers in religion and spirituality and, and I've heard many different, um, ways to connect with whatever people consider to be divine or spirit or God or nature or universe. Uh, the indigenous elders I always talk with, they, they will always say creator. And um, I feel like it's something that you work with, you know, because it, there's also others, um, but it's like this universal force, you know what I mean? And, and, and almost every successful person that I know of value is works with that. No, nobody that I know is like, Hey, I don't participate like, or I don't believe that there's something assisting me, but I think it's almost like this human nature, human spirit, because when we're going on our own and we're creating our life from fulfillment and from service and from contribution, nature or the universe or God, or whatever you want to say, it's going to support that because it's life affirming. It is cooperative with all other things, you know? So I think it's, it's such an important thing um, to be working with and be cognizant of. And I feel like 
that's uh, part of when you have these handcuffs or um, you're not creating life deliberately, you almost feel like a, a cog in the wheel. You know what I mean? That you're, you're disempowered and you're disconnected. And that's not true. It's just kind of remembering this, you know what I mean? And then starting to work with it. And then like, oh, whoa, there is something like, you know what I mean? There is some sort of thing and you get to experience that directly. Um, I, I, I want to, I don't know if you answered it, but you know, when we're talking about emotional intelligence, um, is there some tools that, that people can use? Because I feel like uh, part of that too, I'm imagining like uh, uh, The Grinch or something or some one of those other movies where like when you're not inspired and you're kind of going through the motions, your heart and your energy and your emotions are small. Yeah. You know, you're grumpy. You don't have belief in anything. You hate everybody because you don't have any time. You're, you're in a rush. Everything sucks, you know, <laughs> because, you know, the emotions aren't high. But when your heart is big and it's open and you're creating and you're connecting to everything and you're having a little bit more faith and a little bit more trust, uh, you're a lot more open and it just feels better. And that's a much better emotion. And so when we look at the emotional scale, you know, you can go from depression to despair to like hopelessness to like, why am I even doing this? And that's not a very great uh, place to be. So I feel like if we can learn to climb up that scale a little bit, it also improves our vision and we become more optimistic, right? Like when you look at the comfort zone, I think that everybody is capable of pretty much whatever they can set their mind to, but they look at it and go, oh, no, that's not possible. I'm not going to do that. You know, I remember one client I work with, he's like, I can't do any pushups, you know? And this is like kind of a, a technical hack that I had. He's like, yeah, I can't do more than five. I was like, okay, well, what I want you to do is just uh, do one throughout the day. And then when that comes easy, do two and then do three and four, two days later, he's like, yeah, I could do 25 in a row. And I was like, see, you know, it's like, it's, it's like a process mixed with consistency, but immediately his brain said not possible. And I feel like that little bit of consistency applied to anything. Um, you're going to, you're going to yield some amazing results. Yeah. So um, thank you for reminding me of that question. So what can people do materially to improve emotional intelligence. So in my book, I talk about four areas of emotional intelligence, self-awareness, emotional expression, interpersonal relationships, and stress tolerance. Self-awareness is recognizing and understanding one's own emotions. So understanding subtleties in emotions, um, what's causing emotions and the impact of your emotions on your thoughts, as well as um, on others. So in terms of self-awareness, there are a few go-tos. Number one, and you, you, can, um, you can Google that, anyone can Google this, the feelings wheel. So I love me a good, colorful feelings wheel with many, many, many different feelings. Um, and so sometimes when um, a client comes to me and is really, this is an area that, that we're really working on, um, I'll have them print out a feelings wheel and keep it by their desk um, or in a place they look frequently and check in with themselves a few times throughout the day. What are you feeling now? And the way the feelings wheel works is the feelings expand from the center. So it's like the, it has like groups of feelings. So one is identify the feeling. Um, another thing, um, and this kind of applies across the board with improving um, emotional intelligence, is being able to sit with yourself, to just be with yourself. So you might you think meditation, um, and my clients are A-plus personalities, and I can't tell you how many times I hear, I don't meditate, I can't meditate, I don't know how to meditate, I don't do it well. Meditation is not meant to be done well. You don't get a grade 
for meditating. And meditation is not this complicated situation. It can be, but it doesn't have to be. So like 30 seconds, a minute, sit quietly and scan your body. Be with you. Be with you. Where do you feel tension in your body? Release it, right? So um, I, I, know, I, I kind of beat this drum and um, this is also something that I work on myself, just taking a few moments every day, a few minutes or however long it is to um, connect with myself, build that self-awareness. Emotional expression, openly expressing one's feelings verbally and non-verbally. I often will work with individuals or come across individuals who have learned to uh, snuff out their expression of emotions. And um, this is not necessarily like a male-female thing, um, by the way. This is just like a learned behavior. Um, and it can be, we, we don't really worry about when the person learned to do it, but, it, but there's an impact, right? Um, there's an impact to um, not expressing yourself. There's an impact to withholding. And so one of the things I'll do around emotional expression is I'll challenge my client to watch TV and to, um, and to like take notes on the, on, like watching someone, what the person is expressing. Cause actors, actresses are very expressive and um, that often will support the process of building muscle around emotional expression. This one's a little, um, a, a little more elusive, um, but I feel like there's a great, we can just watch, we can watch videos and we can see this um, in action. Um, emotional expression is also um, one that we build, that I work on building with vulnerability. So my clients or people I talk to are like, what's this vulnerability thing? I keep hearing vulnerability, vulnerability. What the heck does it mean? How do you model vulnerability? Get my book. My, I, had, I had a client I worked with for a while who was like, I just, I don't get it. And, you know, we did a lot of work with Brene Brown stuff. And, um, and after he read the book, he's like, I get it. I, I get it. It's, it's opening your heart. It's sharing, not for anything in return, but just showing I am human, right? And it invites a human conversation. So be vulnerable. The next um, the next um, emotional intelligence area is interpersonal relationships. So this skill is developing and maintaining mutually satisfying relationships with trust and compassion. So um, interpersonal relationships can't talk enough about how important this area is. Um, how do you work on building this? Um, first of all, get real with yourself about how deep your relationships are today. Like, is there truly trust and compassion? Are you truly feeling compassion for the other person? And um, just, a, just a, a little warning, if you aren't feeling compassion for you, chances are high in your interpersonal relationships, you're not feeling much compassion for the other person. You've got to know it yourself in order to be able to have it for someone else. So, um, you know, working, building that self-awareness is important, but, you know, also just practicing in relationships. Trust is a gift. Trust is a gift and it is a gift. Like, um, I, you know, I, I hear you to earn my trust and, you know, I, I, I don't give away my trust. And it's like work on that relationship with trust 
Um, and you know, there is, there's a, there's absolutely a lot of people have work to do around, around the trust issue. Um, and it gets in the way of interpersonal relationships and especially in the workplace. Um, this is really, this really, really, really comes up. And, you know, a lot of times I'll ask, I'll tell, I'll ask, I'll suggest that someone ask themselves, if I trusted this person, what would I do next? If I trusted what would be possible here? Um, and then the last is stress tolerance, um, coping with stressful or challenging situations and believing that you can manage um, or influence situations in a positive manner. Um, obviously, this is an area that is an opportunity for many of us, right? Stress tolerance. One, in addition to the things that I have shared already, one thing that is so it's talked about, but I don't think it's talked about enough, is the impact of moving your body on stress. Stress is a buildup of energy and it needs to be released. So um, get out and move. If you sit, stand, I'm actually sitting right now, but I've been standing all day. Stand, move, stretch. There's a reason that if you look at animals like dogs, cats, like they are constantly stretching and pulling, right? The energy needs to be moved around. So move your body. You don't need to adopt 90 minute yoga practice. There's nothing wrong with that, by the way, but, um, but move, get out and move. I love all that. It's super, uh, all encompassing and very practical with my favorite thing. So, uh, and it's, and it's all something people can apply right away. You know, there's so many other questions that I would ask you. Um, I know that our time is limited, but all of this has been really, um, just helpful. And I think that it, when, when it, like I said, at the beginning, when there's a tool that can be applied and you have like, Oh, this is the understanding of it. You're also creating like these markers. You know what I mean? It's like, Oh, I can put these markers here and I can move towards that. And they make it's common sense, but it's not something that is commonly talked about, especially in the corporate world, you know, like some of the, some of the language, you know, I have a lot of different guests on from different fields and it's like, you know, the, your tune on it is a lot to the corporate world because they may be like meditation. Like, what is that? You know what I mean? It's like this crazy thing. It's like, well, it's not that complicated. Um, and it will help de-stress you because I can see you're very stressed. And so, um, you know, this work is, is very important because I feel like the more, I don't know how to define that, but the more maybe corporate or, um, you know, nine to five people can really just kind of get out of touch with this. And they, if they just start to apply it a little bit, they can, they can, make that experience much more pleasant. Um, you know, even with the movement and a little bit of mindfulness and understanding your emotional intelligence and it improves the relationships right in the office and all these different other things that are, that are really game changing. So um, I definitely love everything that you shared. Is there anything that you wish that I'd asked or that you'd like to discuss before I let you go? I know you want to play with your kids before they go to bed. <laughs> um, well, the, the one thing I would say is that I'm particularly passionate about working with professionals and the corporate world because I love working with people who are in communities and bringing this work into communities because like working with one individual then in like connecting to a larger community or a larger system, that's where you really see the, the impact. Um, and so, you know, and, and having been 
stifled myself by probably by much of my own doing in my own professional career. It's so important to me that this work be brought forth. Um, I, I believe wholeheartedly that if we can just apply a little bit more kindness to ourselves and give ourselves a little bit more room, room to take risks and room to fall and fail and, um, and, and, and support one another in the corporate world, the possibility is endless, right? Like there is so much more room for humanity. So that's the one thing I would add. And, and the new golden rule is that simple marker. Treat yourself the way you want others to treat you. Treat yourself the way you want others to treat you. Every morning and every night, I, I ask myself, you know, how did I do? How did I do at this? Um, when I falter, my husband now will, 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 will ask me. It's, it's funny. Um, my kids will say sometimes if they see someone who's having a rough day or, you know, sometimes they'll see a soccer coach on the sideline, maybe getting a little energetic, if you will, <laughs> too energetic. Mommy, I think he or she needs the new golden rule. So um, apply it. Simple. And it works. I love it. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. Where can people uh, find the book or, or explore your work if they want to dive a little bit deeper? The new golden rule.info is the website that has all the information about the book, where you can buy it, how you can find out more about the work that I'm doing with my company, Golden Resources, out in the world. And that's it. Simple one-stop shop. Amazing. Well, thanks so much for coming on the show. I loved it. And uh, I encourage people to go check out your work. And uh, just thanks for what you're sharing and doing in the world. Thank you so much for what you're doing too, Matt. It was great to be with you. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks guys for watching. We'll see you later.